On this episode of Infinity Sports, we're talking about Sully's Big Board. It's finally out. You guys have been checking it out for a week, comparing him to the big guys, although Sully's the only big guy we care about. Uh, We're going to get to that right after this break. Welcome to Infinity Sports. I'm Wayne G. I'm joined, as always, by Sully. What's up? Hey, what's good? And Nick P, a.k.a. Nick Kellerman, a.k.a. Nick Bayless. What's going on? Well, I don't get the big guy connotation, so I'll just be little guy Nick <laughs> Kellerman. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's fine. We got big guy Sally on the big board today. <laughs> we do. And, and like I said, I thought it was funny. If, if those people who are following the show, thank you so much. And we've got more and more subscribers every week. Um, you obviously saw the uh, graphic I had where I was Batman, Sally was Robin, and we had Nick as the Joker. And I thought about how previous co-hosts and i'm not going to name any names who might have unfriended me um would not have liked being called robin <laughs> would have hated it honestly yeah. like he would have he would have been madly upset yeah i think actually it's, uh, nick doesn't know but he actually i used to introduce myself say, hey i'm the host of the show wayne g joined as always by and that actually made him upset like he complained about it um off the air like hey you know i hate that you call yourself the host I was like, All right, well, what am I? <laughs> What'd you call yeah. me then? <laughs> I actually, I actually hate it too. So let's let's. Stay oh, away. okay. Oh, well, okay. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Okay, the more the more I hate, I, the more I want to do it. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did mention that we're going to talk about Sully's big board today. We've been waiting for it to come out. Uh, a lot of anticipation. Before we jump into that, I did want to mention we talked about it uh, on our website. Physics on Facebook. The links are to the lower right here. Um, you can see us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We drop stuff all the time, and and I've dropped the you know uh, Cam Newton is now the fourth highest paid running back in the NFL uh, after the fourteen million dollar contract. It got a lot of activity. We've got I think like four thousand um, <laughs> impressions, and a lot of people don't like it, but I feel a lot better. I told Nick this off the air. I feel a lot better now knowing it's just five million, and that the, the other nine million he has to be like all pro and win the Super Bowl and stuff. So that's not going to happen. I don't mind five million is a good price for him as a backup. I mean, you should have known <clears throat> that that's like kind of what was going to, that's how most of these contracts are working out anyway. A lot of their, their money is based on bonuses. Um, but still, nonetheless, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a gross overpay. Um, I really do. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think a, a better quarterback could have had, and if the plan is to draft a quarterback, you, you know, then you, do you really want Cam Newton as like your bridge? Like, is he the guy you want teaching your quarterback an offense and, and, you know, like even being your quarterback until the next one's ready. Like, I I don't know. So I don't love the signing truthfully. I don't think it has any positives. I I mean, I, I like it. I I, I don't, well, I don't, I can't say I like it, but I I don't hate it. I think new England really liked Cam Newton from all the reports, at least local reports. It sounds like, well, they liked him early on because they were winning. I mean, people forget the Patriots started three and two cam got COVID and then the season completely changed after that. Right. Like, I mean, things changed for new England very shortly thereafter. And I think they saw the potential that they had with cam. And I mean, honestly, they lost that game in Seattle because cam wasn't playing. Right. Like, I mean, everyone said if Sam, if, 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 if Cam was in that game or no, I'm sorry, the chiefs game, right. It was the chiefs game or something like that. Brian Hoyer was a starter. Yeah, that's what I mean. Everyone was saying, well, if Cam was in this game, we could have beat the Chiefs. And I just think – I think it was worth the flyer. I also I, – I, it wasn't shocking to me because I knew all along that, like, Belichick and the front office really liked Cam, the team liked Cam. They were all behind him and supporting him. But I, it doesn't limit their ability to go out and do something else, find another quarterback and create sort of like a, 
uh, a competitive situation going into camp, right? They'll draft a quarterback, but I think that they will bring on another veteran guy and make them compete. I think that their plan A is I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback and I don't think Cam is going to be uh, grooming anybody. I think Belichick likes him because his work ethic is unprecedented. I mean, that's a thing I'll say about him is that Cam works really hard. And he's a say former he's, MVP. He's a former yeah. MVP. I mean, the guy has been to a Super Bowl. And he's in the film room a lot. I think that their plan A all along has been try to get Jimmy G out of San Francisco. Um, but San Francisco's playing hardball because they know that that's their plan A, right? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. you know. You're going to give up a couple first rounders to get this guy. And I think it's just their budding heads right now. Yeah. I don't think anybody would agree. Jimmy G's worth a couple first rounders. No, 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 no. no. They could go get Jacoby Brissett though. Hey, there's a name there. There's a name for you. Wayne's talked about how he likes Jameis Winston in uh, McDaniel system. So I like Jameis. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Jameis Winston in, in in McDaniel system. So, I mean, I'm a huge Jameis Winston fan because he won me a lot of money when he played at Florida State. He covered every spread all year long. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a That was a tremendous season. Yeah. You mean his freshman one, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah freshman one. Yeah, so speaking of the draft, today's the big board episode. As I mentioned, uh, Sully puts together a big board. We already did a mock draft, an early mock draft. And early. so this is... This is kind of our top or Sully's top 32 prospects in the draft. Not necessarily where they're going to be picked, but how he feels they are as a prospect. Like you might be the seventh ranked prospect, but go 31st. I mean, who knows? It depends on how the draft plays out. Yeah. But we're going to go into that. We're going to tackle each segment as an eight person segment, uh, one through eight, nine through 16 and so on. Sully's going to touch on a couple of people. And then I have a couple of questions. I don't know if Nick has any questions. I know he's a big college football fan as well, um, but we'll get jump right into it. The first segment is players one through eight which is Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts, Mika Parsons, Jamar Chase, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Jalen Waddell. And uh, I'll let Sully take it from here. Well, I mean, the top five uh, doesn't change uh, really from, from my last big board. The only thing that changed is Kyle Pitts moved up a bit. Um, and then other than that, I think him and Mika Parsons switched spots for me. Uh, other than that, nothing has changed. Oh, I, I lied. Justin Fields has, has, has fallen out of, of said spot. Um, the real shock there, I guess, is not having Zach Wilson in that top five. Most are going to have him there. Um, I, I don't. Most people have him there just because quarterbacks get valued that high. You're not going to tell me Zach Wilson's a better football player than Penn Sewell, Kyle Pitts, Mika Parsons, or Jamar Chase. I think he's a fantastic elite blue chip quarterback and things like that. But he's, I, I truthfully don't think he's a better football player than those guys. That You're top losing. five. What's that? What was that? Can you Nick, hear Sully? I can't hear him. Oh. Yeah, I hear Sully. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, so those top five right there, like I said, I, I think they're elite, elite blue chip players in this draft. I would do anything I could to get one of those five guys on my football team. I think they're all special. Uh, Nick has any thoughts on the top eight? No, I, um, I, I mean, I, I completely see where Sully was going with those top eight, uh, with those top eight guys. I don't really, I mean, I wouldn't really change anything. I think because quarterbacks have such a heavy emphasis nowadays, like it's probably to Sully's point, not uncommon to see, um, you know, somebody have Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson back to back on a big board, right? Like, I think that that's probably going to be pretty common. But to Sully's point, like, if you're going overall football player, there's a lot of guys to me that are that are just much way way further ahead than Zach Wilson. 
My question, my first question about the uh, the first eight is Mika Parsons, who you had at fourth. Uh, PFF has him sixth. McShay has him fourth as well. But Kuiper has him tenth, and Daniel Jeremiah has him tenth. And I'm curious why it's such a big disparity. Is it just the quote unquote character issues that are coming out? Um, and what are the chances that he falls outside of the top ten in the draft? Um, well, the chances actually seem to be growing, um, which I don't mm. personally understand. Um, but like, I mean, the guy has no comp ever. Like, there's there's not really a player that that kind of has been able to move like him at his size. So it's it's it pretty much impossible to comp the guy. I mean, I'd say a a better covering Junior Seau isn't isn't a terrible comparison. Um, like he's, he's, he plays the same way. Like he is, he wants to move downhill. He wants to attack and, and he is deadly when he, when he does so. But also, I mean, the guy moves like a, like a deer in, in space. Like he's extremely nimble. He's, he's able to cover. He's smart in space too. He understands coverage and routes. Um, it, it's gotta be the coverage or, or the, the character issues. And also like me and Nick got into an argument about this, but the positional value, and and just where he's going to go, like tackles are going to go ahead of him. Uh, you know, I think corners, you know, we that's the argument we had. I think both corners have a shot to go ahead of him. Um, all four pass catching threats have a shot to go ahead of him. You know, four quarterbacks have a shot to go ahead of him. So at that point, it's like that's where you can see how how a linebacker drops. Um, you know, that's not to say, again, he's he's the best defensive player in this draft. Um but it, it's it's just kind of where he plays. If he was an edge player, he'd be a top four player. It, there wouldn't be a question that he gets picked there. But like middle linebacker, it's it's just tough. Now he is a three down guy, but still middle linebacker. It's tough to justify taking over quarterback, tackle, wide receiver, things like that. Yeah, and I think for Parsons, for me, um, and obviously I'm I have somewhat of a bias because I'm a Penn State guy. But being a Penn State guy, I mean, I can hands down say that he's the best defensive player I've ever seen come out of the program as far as like overall skill set. Maybe not what he contributed to the program, but just like what he brings to a football team. And I think when you have a generational type talent like Parsons, it's it, it justifies in the same way that it justifies taking a guy like Kyle Pitts, a tight end, is potentially a top five pick. The same way it justifies taking a Saquon Barkley as the second overall pick at running back. To me, Parsons is that level of talent coming from a middle linebacker position. I, I mean, Aaron Curry, I think, you know, he, he went fourth overall, I think. Now, granted, he didn't work out. But, like, we've seen it before where, like, these could – I mean, yeah. I'll tell you to the day that I died, Aaron Curry is probably one of the best linebacking prospects I've ever graded ever. It was stupid watching him play. Well, but, he was top ten, wasn't he? Well, he went, like, eight, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Aaron Curry was the last one that went top five. Um, and, and I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's the last like true linebacker who went top five. Um, and, and that didn't work out. Um, now, granted, that doesn't mean you don't draft Mika Parsons because I think Mika Parsons is a completely different player. But like, you know, we talked about Isaiah Simmons and, and his similarities to Mika Parsons, you know, for a little bit, I think, last last episode. And he slid a little bit. I think Mika Parsons may have a similar slide. He's not going to fall, but I think he may have a similar slide, especially this year, just because four quarterbacks have a shot going in the top 10. Like, like that's going to force him down a lot, I think. Yeah. And keep in mind, too, Parsons is, I mean, Simmons, I like the Simmons comparison, but, but the thing with Parsons is, I mean, he's. He's not as tall as Simmons, but he's, I mean, you could almost play him as a, as a strong safety, 
right? Like you could play him as a safety in the pros. I mean, Dude, he, he's Simmons, got that Simmons. level. Of, Parsons. Well, I think you could play him both as a safety. Simmons yeah. did play a lot of safety. Right. Parsons is a much better linebacker right now. Right. Than right. Is, than Isaiah Simmons is probably now. Mika Parsons just coming in because yeah. Isaiah Simmons' biggest plus was his coverage ability, not his actually attacking the ball. They're they're separate, you know, in that sense, but they do kind of have the same just athletic ability. Yeah, and also, um, Wayne, I know before we because I know we want to move on to the other segments, but I wanted to talk about, too, um, just Kyle Pitts, and it was really more so to just, like, toot his horn, right? Um, because I do – Kyle Pitts I, yeah, any day yeah. of the week. Let's do it. Because I, I just think that it's, like um, – it's unprecedented, in my opinion, to have, like, such a deep wide receiver class. And I think every analyst, everybody, Sully, you'd agree that this is a pretty deep wide receiver class, but the best receiving prospect is probably a tight end. Uh, I mean, it's – I, I think it's insane. Um, Pitts is a matchup nightmare. I think he changes a team's offense wherever he goes. Uh, it, it's we've never seen a player at the position like Kyle Pitts before. Well, why is, I like, what, make, what makes him a tight end in the sense that like Calvin Johnson was six six two forty? You know, what I mean, so what makes Kyle Pitts a tight end instead of a receiver? Just that he's listed there. His, yeah, <laughs> I would say, his, but his blocking ability too, though. Like, it's I mean, not he, terrible. He, You're not going to put him in line. Like right. I wouldn't play him in line, but, but I mean, he's, he's a guy who's not afraid to block. Let's put it that way. Like he's not like a dainty blocker. He, he's never going to be able to block, you know, a defensive end one-on-one. That's not where you're going to want him. But again, the only thing that separates him from, from a tight end and a wide receiver is his designation. He's never going to play in line. He may, but he's never going to be asked to block. His his matchup nightmare is if you play him with a cornerback, he's going to be too big for you. If you play him with a linebacker, he's going to be too fast for you. Plain and simple, he's a matchup nightmare. He, and like, if you double team, and if you double team by putting a linebacker and a corner or a safety on him, well, now all of a sudden you're leaving yourself real vulnerable to those slot type receivers that are exactly. so popular in the game right now. I mean, Pitts just does a lot for an offense. He really does. He changes the team. I mean, you you see all these guys too with Travis Kelsey, you know, breaking records for tight ends, and Darren Waller, you know, just having monster games after monster game and you know George Kittle and I mean Kyle Pitts is arguably more athletic than every one of these guys so I mean it's going to be a lot of fun to watch I like I said I have a number three overall which is absolutely insane to think as a tight end is number three overall when you mentioned the quarterbacks and Justin Fields you had seventh behind Zach Wilson all of the experts have basically Justin Fields behind Zach Wilson, except for PFF. I think PFF has Fields ahead of Wilson. No, but PFF I'm, has Wilson at two. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. So uh, my question was really, what makes Zach Wilson the better quarterback prospect? And then if you were a general manager who says, I have to have Justin Fields, why are you saying that about him? <laughs> I mean, you're probably not. Right. Um, <laughs> to be fair, and, and I'm a big, big, big Justin Fields fan. I do want to come out and say that. It's just he's in a draft that's got, I think, like two really, really special guys in it. Um, you're going to hear this a lot with a lot of players that come out now because of, of what Patrick Mahomes is doing, but Zach Wilson is extremely Patrick Mahomes-esque. Um, he can throw the ball off of every platform and throw it deadly accurate off every platform. He's special at getting out of the pocket and making those secondary plays, but not wanting to run um, and, and keeping his eyes downfield and seeing things that, that just other players don't see for the most part. Like, you know, like Patrick Mahomes make throws that you're just like, 
no other quarterback can even attempt to make it or even see it. Zach Wilson has that ability in him and has shown flashes of that. Um, now, Justin Fields is, is stupid accurate as well. I mean, that's like his calling card, to be fair. Uh, he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks, like, honestly, we've seen in, in probably a little while. But I don't know. Everything I see out of him is slower. Um, so he he's not great at making decisions on the fly. When he gets out of the pocket, especially for a mobile guy, you would think he, he excels. He actually gets worse when he leaves the pocket. And, and in this day and age and for the style of player he is, that's not a great thing. Um, uh, you know, also his, his offense in Ohio State was – Molly whopping people to say to say the least. Like his wide receivers were running free. He never made throws that you were like into tight windows that you were like, wow, kind of shit like that. So it's it, it's it's not really what he's done to like hurt himself. It's just not what he's done to excel to that like elite level, in my opinion. Uh, the uh, second segment is obviously players nine through sixteen. On these players, it starts off with Caleb Farley at nine, Devonte Smith, Patrick Sertan. Uh, Travis Etienne, Trevon Morig, uh, Jeremiah Ausu, uh, Karamoa, yeah. uh, Quiddy Pay, and Najee Harris at sixteen. So I guess, uh, I guess again, take it away. I guess the big shock here would be Devonte Smith not being, you know, in that other chunk and being the last out of the four. Um, I don't know. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I will not take him over these other guys. I I understand what he's done in his production and things like that. But I mean, he's also a four-year player who's, I believe he's 24 at the time of the draft. I'll have to check. Um, but he's, he's older. He's probably going to run slow. Not probably. He's going to run slower than every guy ahead of him. Um, I, I don't know. He just doesn't have that the physical tools that these other guys have. He's got the production, which you can't argue with. But, I mean, if, if you're going to look at Jalen Waddell and his 4-3 after an Achilles tear and things like that and the way he moves on a football field and the downfield threat he is and then try to convince me that Devontae Smith is better, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a tough time with that. That doesn't mean Devontae Smith is bad. I mean, I got the guy ranked eighth over or ninth overall. Like, he's a stud. I, he's, he's extremely Marvin Harrison-esque. Um, but again, Marvin Harrison didn't like do anything to wow anybody, I think. So like when you've got guys like Jamar Chase, who's a f- physical freak in nature, a Kyle Pitts, a Jalen Waddle, like these guys are special guys. That's kind of really his only downtick, unfortunately, for Devontae Smith. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got I, I, I would say that. Um, yeah, I agree on Devontae Smith. I mean, I've watched Smith a lot. I mean, how could you not watch him, uh, right, like this this past season? Um, I, yeah, I, I look at him as being a product of a very, very efficient Alabama offense. Um, and I've always kind of viewed him as that. I mean, he was kind of the senior guy on that Alabama offense. So obviously, you know, a lot of the plays were going to run through him, but he benefited a lot from the running game. He benefits a lot from the offensive pass protection that Mac Jones had at Alabama. I mean, I, I like Waddle better personally. Like if I, if I'm a team and I'm and I'm drafting a, a slot, an undersized slot type receiver, I'm looking at Jalen Waddle ahead of Devontae Smith. I mean, that's just my that, that's my opinion on it. Now, the question I had was regarding Patrick Sertain, who you have as 11th. Uh, Mel Kuyper has him 15th. Uh, Daniel Jer- uh, Jeremiah has him 14th. PFF has him 16th. 
So you're all kind of right in that right in that 11 to 16 range. And I'm curious, first off, you know, we have more tape on him than we have on Caleb Farley. So why is he ranked below Caleb Farley? And then secondly, what are the chances he's available in New England at 15? Um, Caleb Farley is a freak of nature at the cornerback position. That's why. Um, Patrick Sertain put together, honestly, one of the best cornerback tapes we've seen in a really, really, really long time. Um, Technically wise, I mean, he is ready to play football. You're going to put him in a defense and you're really not going to like – be kind of worried about his technique in any way. The issue is he's he's not an elite athlete at the position. He's maybe going to run a 4-5, sub 4-5, which is like not what you want at the cornerback position. Um, meanwhile, Caleb Fairley is 6-2, 2 He's going to run a sub 4-3 most likely. Um, and he's just a legit freak of nature uh, on the outside and also does a lot of these technique things great. But he has the ability to, to – to gamble on some things because he can make up some speed that, that other players just can't Patrick Sertan being one of them. I don't see Patrick Sertan falling to the Patriots at 15. Um, uh, his, his tape and his ability are just too special. In my opinion, I value cornerbacks extremely highly. Um, the NFL has shown that they value cornerbacks extremely. He's a better prospect than CJ Henderson and CJ Henderson just went nine overall. Um, so I expect Caleb Fairley to go kind of in that same range, to be honest with you. If it's not a team that's that's picking there, it'll be a team that's trading up to get him. So Yeah, I like Sertain. I, I like Sertain um a lot. Um and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you why. Because of the volume of tape that we have on Sertain, I like him over Farley. Um I get what you're saying about Farley's athleticism, but the thing, and I hate to say this, but the thing that always sort of like sways me in these sort of conversations is the fact that he played at Alabama and he went up against elite receivers, you know, elite offense, college offenses, his entire career at Alabama. So that's what sways me a little bit. I look at Sertain as being like a guy who's, to your point, NFL ready. You prop, you plop him in tomorrow. He's ready to cover some of the baddest guys out there for most teams receiving court. I mean, he's... Really, really t- exceptional, too. I mean, he's played I'm, – I'm looking at some stuff now. He's played 662 snaps in press over the past two seasons, in press man. Right. And, and that's 200 more snaps than anybody else in college. The, the right. kid is, is tested, ready to play football. Um, I mean, you're going to get – and a player that can play, honestly. Now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't love to put him there because he's so physical, but he can play in the slot and has played in the slot extremely effectively. So, I mean, he's just a guy who I, I really love. It's And it's more like Caleb Fairley is just, again, he's just a – if you were to build a cornerback, you know, it looks like Jalen Ramsey. It looks like Caleb Fairley. It looks like these guys are 6'2", super long, 210, can run a 4'2 in a blink of an eye, can move their hips smooth. Like, like that's just it. Uh, the, my favorite offensive player, I think, in this draft is Travis Etienne because he's so exciting to watch. I feel like every time he has the ball in his hands, I feel like something special is going to happen. I feel like I'm watching Barry Sanders. I mean, obviously not as good as Barry Sanders, but you know, Barry was going to electrify it with something he was going to do. And I feel like Etienne does that as well. Now, you have him as 12th. I think that's fair. Uh, Mel Kuyper doesn't have him on the big board at all. PFF has him 39th. You know, McShay has him 22nd. Pretty much everyone has him below Najee Harris. So, I mean, is it just the running back value? Because, I mean, Saquon Barkley was the second overall pick, right? I mean, why is he rated so low on people's big Well, first of all, all, Wayne, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank these you. These guys thank aren't you. Saquon Barkley. These and guys I love Barkley. Travis Etienne. I've tooted his horn for a really, really, really long time. These guys aren't Saquon as like a as like a running. Um, not nobody is, you know, in this draft. Um, Travis Etienne does a lot really well, but like he also does a lot not well. So like he has a tendency to tr- because he is a home run threat. Every time he touches the ball, he 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 has that ability to run laterally and and kind of kill and dead a play that that could get three yards and then he runs laterally and you know gets minus one or two and and that's the kind of thing that's gonna have to stop in the nfl but i mean he's just special i mean i mean you watch the kid play and you can see he's special uh he is zero to 100 in his first step and and that's a scary scary weapon to have uh he's incredibly good at catching the ball i think he's a player who even if he doesn't get 20 rushes a game you're gonna want to feed him eight to nine catches a game and and things like that so even if he gets you know 15 touches total and it's you know 10 rushes and and six passes like that's gonna be his role but i bet you he gets 100 yards out of those and and things like that so i mean he's got that ability to just as a chess piece to change it to change an offense like when he, when he's on the field and and you have to account for him and if you put your your middle linebacker on him and your middle linebacker is not Devin White or Levante David or somebody like that you're going to be in trouble cuz he's a matchup nightmare so um but yes to your point i think he's down so far low because of of um the positional like value and where people hold running backs which play into these rankings for most of the the bigger guys um so i, I mean that's the only reason i can assume you you can't watch football and tell me travis Etienne's not one of the top 20 football players in this year's draft like you just can't so yeah i'd agree with that and i, I actually uh sully i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this because uh, since we're talking Etienne, um I, I made a comp like an nfl comp to a buddy this was like way early on um I think it was last season. I said, you know, Etienne reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara. He does. He really does. Like, like, you know, like when I see him, it's like, cause Kamara had those same issues, right? Like trying to bounce off tackles as opposed to like taking like the easy five yard sort of plays um, was really a huge receiving threat out the backfield. But you're like, you know, he's got to get more comfortable in between the tackles, that kind of thing. And, and finding his holes. Um, you put Etienne in the right offense. And I think that he, he can be that Kamara type or even like, you know, like a like a James Robinson, right from yeah. Jacksonville. I think that he he's like a mold like that. I mean, I think if you give him an Alvin Kamara role, he will thrive in that role. Thrive in that role. Yeah. That kid could catch twelve passes a game easy and love it. Um, I was curious why people have him rated below Najee Harris. Like, what does Najee Harris do better than him? Uh, a lot. I mean, Najee Harris is a. <laughs> Uh, other than like being like a, a home run threat or anything like that, like I think Najee Harris like is the better kind of runner, um, because I mean he can run through the tackles. He will get will carry the ball twenty five times a game if you need him. He's also I, I mean I think he's not to you know separate him completely from from Travis Etienne's catching ability. Najee Harris is is a baller receiver. The guy is going to be a threat out of the backfield as well. Um PFF has a comp of Matt Forte on him. I actually think that's a great 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 comp. Um I, I love uh a bigger more physical um uh uh Jesus, why can't I remember his name right now? Oh. Um fucking hate me Le'Veon Bell, 
he runs more violent than Le'Veon Bell, but like I'm telling you, he's going to kind of bring the same ability um, overall. I, I mean, granted, Le'Veon Bell morphed into an actual wide receiver, you know, <laughs> like towards like the the heyday. But I think Najee Harris has that ability to like be a, a special special threat out there as well. Um, I just think. I just think overall Travis Etienne's ceiling, I think as, as like the matchup nightmare, I think is more than Najee Harris's ability is just a pure runner. The third group is players 17 through 24. We've got Trey Lance, North Dakota state, finally on the board at 17, uh, Rondell Moore, 18, Christian Barmore, Christian Derrissaw, Rashawn, Rashawn Slater, uh, Samuel Cosme, Gregory Rousseau, and Jason away. And I'm sure people are going to love to hear about the Trey Lance at 17. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I want to want them to hear it from you, I guess. I mean, I'll say it again. Right now, he's he's a running back. He's a great running back, but he's a running back. Um, and he can slang that tater. But, I mean, he just he can't make decisions past his first one. And he's never really been asked to. So you don't even know if he can. Uh, he, and outside of first read throw – He's he's gonna run the football. He's gonna run it well, and that's why he's that's why he doesn't throw interceptions, because if that first guy isn't open, he's just gonna run the ball. Um, you know, so I just need to see it. Now he's got special special arm talent. He's a special special athlete. Um, and if you were to build a physical mold of a quarterback, you know, you wouldn't be too far off of. Trey Lance, like overall with his arm, his speed, his size, his tenacity, everything like that. You just don't know if he can actually make quarterback decisions and run an offense that's an NFL offense. So that's scary to me. And I'm never going to put a guy that I haven't seen do something like that high. Now he'll get drafted in the top 10, 100%. 100%. A GM's going to fall in love with his physical tools. But that doesn't mean he's going to be a good quarterback. I love Trey Lance. I've always, I've, I've always liked Trey Lance um, since the first time that I, I saw him play. And um, he doesn't make mistakes. To Sully's point, it's because he'll, he'll, he'll opt to run um, a lot more frequently uh, rather than make a poor passing decision. But I don't think that that's necessarily a knock. I also feel like he, he's a hard worker. Like, I mean, the, the big thing about Trey Lance is like he's the sort of person that will sit in a film room all night long. Um, and he'll study defenses and he'll work his tail off because he takes, I, I think he's the type of quarterback that takes it personal when he hears things like not mature enough at the position. He's a running back, that kind of thing. And I, I think that that sort of like inter- that intrinsic motivator that he has is, is rare to see, right? Like I don't see that with Justin Fields. I see Trey Lance with that level of work ethic. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I, I just, I don't know. If, if I'm taking a QB project in this draft, I'm taking Trey Lance over Justin Fields because of the, the difference in ceiling. I think Trey Lance's ceiling is something to the effect of like a Russell Wilson. I don't see Fields as like having that kind of ceiling. In my super early mock draft, I had Trey Lance going over Justin Fields. Even though I have them ranked differently, I think somebody will like Trey Lance more than they like Justin Fields. So I don't disagree with that take at all. I just personally Again, I don't have – somebody is going to absolutely fall in love with this kid's physical tools because they're special. I mean, special, special, special. I just – I mean, until I can see you make a read, 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 
throw, like I don't I don't want to rank you like that high. So yeah, it's fair. I mean, the ranking's fair. I just I, yeah. No, I, I hear you. No. Yeah. Uh, in this segment, I actually had Rondell Moore. You had him 18th. Uh, again, Kuiper doesn't have him ranked. McShay doesn't have him ranked. Daniel Jeremiah doesn't have him ranked. Uh, PFF has him 21st. Uh, I'm curious, why isn't he getting any love from anyone? He didn't play. I mean, he's played, I think, God, what's it, like seven or eight games in the past two seasons, I think. Um, so, like, that's a big issue. Um, I just think he's, again, I like these chess pieces are, are kind of what's becoming – like the the norm in football right now. And yes, you need like an elite outside guy and, and things like that. But if you have a guy who can do one thing or extremely, extremely well and, and is extremely dangerous at it, it can change your whole offense. And personally, I think that's what Rondell Moore is. He's, he's just insanely, insanely special in my opinion from like, like just an athletic, like electric ball player. Uh, if you put the ball in his hands, he's going to do special things. Uh, he, you know, he had 37 broken tackles in a single season at Purdue. Like that's that's insane. Like that's that's special, special stuff. He's gonna go from zero to 100 in the blink of an eye, and very Tyree Kill esque. Um, his whole issue is, I think he's ran six routes past uh, 11 yards in the past like in four years. Like he just doesn't run downfield routes. That's, but that's not what he does. Um, he's very kind of limited in his route tree, but his route tree is, how do I say this? So he's not going to like run like a, a whole full route tree, but the route tree he does run is so elite that it like almost doesn't matter. Like his route running ability is sneaky. Good. You would think for a guy, it's like, Oh, he runs drags or he runs slants. Like, no, like he actually is a really good, sneaky, good route runner. It's just he's never been kind of asked to do that because that's not his role. That's not what he's special at. Um, so I don't know. I think he's an elite football player, in my opinion. I get a question about this uh, about this phase too. I feel like um, Russo from um, Miami doesn't get a lot of love as an edge guy, and I, I like I don't I, I don't understand why because he has. I mean, he's had a very good college career. And then you look at the fact that he, I mean, he's athletic, he's strong. He's, I mean, he can get to the quarterback. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I, I mean, he fits, I don't know. Like he's kind of an old school type edge rusher in my opinion. And I don't know why he doesn't get more love. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he's old school is, is kind of the issue. Um, like I, I don't love his power game. Um, like I, I think like that's kind of where he like is is faltering and and like yeah he's got this like frame that can most likely fill out and and be special but like you would think for a guy that like I mean like here's the thing he wins on the inside but he he really doesn't win on the outside right um, and and that like I don't love from an edge guy obviously but. Uh, I mean, you're you're projecting a lot. Every the, the issue with every pass rusher in this draft is you're projecting. Uh, Quiddy Pay is a huge project. Uh, Jason Oway, huge project. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, huge project. The issue is is all these guys have different traits and tools that are like elite and special things that you look for in a pass rusher. So somebody's going to gamble because again, pass rushers go highly. Um, mm. I, I, you know, I think Minnesota's Rousseau's sweet spot. Um, I, I think he's going to do extremely well. His his teammate, uh, Jalen, God, his, his, the last oh, name is Phillips. Phillips. 
has, I mean, skyrocketed boards. And the more tape I watch it, when I'm watching Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Phillips is the guy that pops out on tape, truthfully. So, I mean, that's, I think, kind of also the difference. Um, like a lot of people now are are falling on, on Rousseau and, and rising on Phillips. But, I, I mean, I don't think Phillips, I, I don't think Rousseau, like, goes incredibly low. So, I, I don't know. I, it's just there's not an elite edge rusher in this draft, unfortunately. Right. Well, another guy you had that wasn't really ranked, Kuiper McShay, Joseph all had him uh, unranked, 36th on PFF. Uh, you have him 22nd is Samuel Cosme. I'm curious what it is that you like about him. Um, he's just a, a big freak athlete that moves better than a guy who's 6'5", 309 should move. Um, he's, it's, it's kind of just special. Like, I mean, you talk about like athletes at the tackle position and Samuel Cosby's name, obviously rarely do their names come up, but I mean, Samuel Cosby's name never does. And it should, in my opinion, the issue with him is with a guy who started for so long and, and played right tackle and left tackle that you would think his technique would be better. And unfortunately, like that's where he's lacking a little bit. Um, but again, like his positional versatility, because he's played on the right, he's played on the left, he's battle tested against, you know, incredibly good pass rushers. He's shown that like he can block these guys. His issue is consistency. And then, sorry, I thought somebody was walking up my stairs. Um, and then uh, just like his stance in, in pass rushing protection is going, it needs to get a lot better, but the kind of things that you, those are teachable things. Being an athlete aren't, aren't teachable things. Moving the way he moves at the size he is aren't teachable things. Um, so I think somebody's going to kind of like him a lot. And then the, uh, the third one I had was uh, Jason Oway, who you have 24th again, unranked by Kuiper, unranked by Mache. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him 33rd, and I'm curious, you said he's a project. I mean, what are the holes in his game and what are the odds that he actually falls into day two? Zero percent. He falls to day two. Uh, he's only going to rise, in my opinion, because his pro day is going to like wow people. He's he's I mean, you talk about athletes playing a position. Uh, this kid's special. He's going to reportedly run in the four threes. Um, and, and I mean, yeah. <sighs> He's never going to be a guy that, um, like you like leave on like the strong side. Like he's going to be your, your weak side edge rusher every single time you want him one-on-one -on -one matchup. If he gets doubled or clipped or chipped or something like that, it, he's probably going to lose his matchup. But I mean, his, his initial burst is, I mean, it's pretty undefendable. So I think teams are going to struggle with that and see that and be like, damn, that's nice. Now, the big issue with him is, is he's really good in a straight line. He's, he's tough moving laterally. Um, who's the guy from the Jets that blew up Vernon? Golston? Yes, Vernon Golston. Yeah. He's very Vernon Golston-esque to me. Um, and, and like that kind of special athlete playing the edge not a technician who happens to be an athlete. So he has a high bus probability and, but his ceiling stupid, ridiculous high just because of the athlete he is on the outside. Well, and Nick watches a lot of them at Penn state, right? So I'm curious, uh, based on his size, the six, five, two thirty, a four threes edge rusher. Uh, what kind of comp, if I said Javon curse, is that a, a fair comp? No, 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 he's not. He's not a Javon Curse. And um, the thing that hurts him, in my opinion, and to your point, I've watched a lot of Penn State football in my life. 
<laughs> the thing that hurts him is Penn State was just terrible. I mean, he was part of a terrible, terrible Penn State defense that Parsons sat out. Um, they just really underwhelmed. They never, they never replaced Lobo's production from like a defense from an edge rush standpoint. Um, uh, Gross Matos is who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't even think that he's got like. I don't think that he's got that kind of potential. I, I think he's got that kind of potential. I think he can be like a a Yetzer, but I don't think that he could be. I mean, Javon Kirst is, is is high is 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 really really high praise. He is athletic. He's young kid. Um, you you saw the potential in him, but he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't at Penn State long, and when he was at Penn State, it was like he was part of some really bad defenses. So it was it was hard to really pinpoint where his strengths were, if that makes sense. Uh, honestly, it, 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 I mean, he's very now. Josh Allen was a much, much, much better football player overall, but he's very Josh Allen esque to me. The kid who came out of Kentucky, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's and I think call. and I think that's kind of like where he needs his game to be. Uh, Penn State made him like play the run a lot more and dropped him back a lot more and didn't let him just attack because he. I mean, that's truthfully that's not who he is. He. Like he's 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 a passive football. He's not a very aggressive football player, but the kid looked really good in space. He had I think it, yeah, he had like a ninety run grade this year. Like like he has the ability to to be a, a maybe a strong side linebacker and and, right. and if he evolves his game, but uh, and then maybe drop down to a pass rusher on third down. Um, but like he would have to evolve his game a little bit, but I think he has that, he has that scary athletic ability that you just kind of want on your football team. So I, I think he's going to go pretty high. Yeah. I think he's going to have a hard time in coverage at, at the NFL yeah, level. I, I, I think, as, well. I think um, as, as like an outside guy, and that's something that I picked up too, is, I mean, Penn state was just terrible in pass coverage, especially this, this past season, but um, he's going to have a hard time with like more physical tight ends. He's going to have a hard time with those quick shifty slot guys. Well, yeah, he doesn't um, move well laterally. So right, yeah, right. So I think that that it, it, it's tough. Um, but he can fill out. He's a young guy. He can still fill out and get, get a little bit stronger. The last eight players that we have ranked here: we have Elijah Vera Tucker, Jalen Phillips, J.C. Horn, Wyatt Davis, Nick Bolton, Zayvon Collins, um, Kadarius Tony. And Rashad Bateman, I guess, round out the top 32. And uh, I guess, talk to me, I guess, about these eight guys. Um, I mean, this is a group that, I mean, it was, it was tough because a lot of these guys, I think, actually kind of go higher. Um, but, I mean, it's like Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, everything I, like, read and, and see is teams are loving this kid. Uh, he played tackle at USC, but I, I – I mean, uh, most likely he'll play guard, but I mean, obviously that positional versatility is something players, people are going to love. Um, and he's, I mean, he just doesn't allow sacks on the inside. His pass rushing or his pass protecting ability is scary good for, for such a young player. Um, Jalen Phillips, we talked about, he's skyrocketing boards right now. The kid just pops out on tape and is an incredible player. JC Horn's going to go higher than I have him ranked. Um, most likely. I mean, you don't play that well in the SEC, and not go really high. So I expect him to go extremely high as well. This is actually like, again, it's a pretty like kind of loaded draft. There's a lot, there's quite a bit of like actually graded first round talents in this draft. Like, like last year you got a big board of 32. Well, only 20 or 25 of those guys may be actually graded as first round talents. Um, in this draft, 
like I, I'm struggling to not find first round talents one through thirty two at this point. The uh, question I have, obviously, I would be remiss without asking about <laughs> my favorite player uh, in this draft, the destroyer of worlds, Wyatt Davis, who uh, you have 28th. Again, Kuiper unranked, McShay unranked, Daniel Jeremiah unranked, PFF 35th. Um, all the mock drafts I've seen have him going in like that mid-20s range. I've actually seen a few that have him in the second round. I mean, we talk about him, and you said like the guy, you can't get him off balance. Like He's unbelievable, and he gets his hands on you. You're completely done. You're out of the play. So what is it that... Why would teams look at him so low or value him so low? I have no, I can't answer that. I, I truly can't. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm as a as a pure guard prospect. I, I mean, I think he's tremendous, elite. It's scary good. Like uh, the only thing, like I guess I could say is like you could stunt him sometimes. He's he's his awareness and and his ability. Like once he lock because once he does get a hold of you, you've lost. You've lost, the play's over, move on to the next one. So teams will stunt him. They'll force a guy in front, have him get that guy, and then stunt around him. And when his his responsibility is to take that stunner, but he's so locked in and, and tenacious that he'll he'll like he, he a lot of times will miss that. Um, but again, I mean, fuck, I love the kid. I'm legit. I love this kid. He's one of my biggest crushes in this draft. If you need offensive line help, I take Wyatt Davis before I take now what's funny is I have Wyatt Davis ranked below Samuel Cosme. I take Wyatt Davis over Samuel Cosme every day of the week. And Nick, you've seen him in the big East, right? Or the big 10. Big big 10. 10. He's, he's powered through Penn state for quite a few years. Yeah. 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 He is. He is impressive. I don't understand why he's got such a low, uh, a low draft. I think the only reason for that and, and to Sully's point previously is there, there is some good offensive line, prospects in this draft and I think that's the only reason that's dropping that I would say are probably better athletes overall but as far as being like a in the trenches type guy I mean to I mean yeah I just reiterate everything that Sully said I mean you can't once he gets his hands on you you move on to the next play because you're not I mean you're not going to go through the guy it's going to be difficult for you to get around him Um, I think there are just it's such a good draft for offensive line talent it really um, that's is. what's really that's what's really knocking him down. The big one for me, I don't know if Wayne, you were going to bring this up, and I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, but Rashad Bateman, I look at Bateman as like a guy who he's going to drop to a team like Kansas City or Green Bay, and they're going to scoop him up, and he's going to be an elite wide receiver in those offenses. Man, I mean, that's I, I can see it happening. That, that's all I'm saying is I can see it happening. Yeah, at this point in 2020, I get that the whole you know people have been knocking him for it, but I, don't I love mean. Tree for a guy his size, either. Um, like yeah. a lot of his production, I think was schemed production in college, and 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 I don't hate, I don't love that. Um, I mean, I don't know the 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 thing where I think he has a chance to succeed is after the catch. I mean, he's scary good. Um, I mentioned Rondell Moore's broken tackles. Uh, he's got, I think he's got 36 or 37 as well, which, you know, as a receiver is, is tremendous. Um, uh, you know, he has succeeded from, from the inside and the outside. Um, I, he can play slot. He can play outside. It's, it's more, again, like I said, his, his package, I feel like his, it was so schemed. Like, like whoever was that number one, like uh, Tyler Johnson, you know, mm-hmm. stepped in and, and assumed that role and, and was this crazy productive receiver. And Rashad Bateman stepped in and assumed this role and was this crazy productive receiver. Minnesota schemes that 
that player that they deem is their their number one guy, they they give him like 80% of targets and things like that. So his production is what worries me. That what I see on the field is is nice. It's it's great. I don't actually disagree with the take because if he ends up with somebody like even like New Orleans who, yeah. who I think could replace Emmanuel Sanders at this point who they just released and or somebody like that, I, I mean, that would be scary uh, uh, because I can see – He won't see be the focal is, point. He won't be yeah. the focal point, but he'll be he'll be so productive in those kind of like he's not going to take away from Devontae Adams. He's not going to take away from Tyreek Hill. He's not going to take away from Michael Thomas. Yeah. But he's going to thrive off As those guys. Two. Exactly. Think of like Reggie yeah. Wayne, I guess, to Marvin right. like like an yeah. equally successful player um, in in every aspect. So yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I mean, he's not going. He may run a four six. Is also going to be his problem. So, and I mean, in this day and age, that number means a lot to a lot of these GMs. Well, the big name that you didn't have on your board, Mel Kuyper has him 12th overall, is Mac Jones out of Alabama. And I'm curious, you know, a lot of teams, I see him in the 30s for everybody else, but it's, you know, I don't know if it's just because he played at Alabama. Like, what are the, does he not have the arm strength? Like, what, why don't people have him as a first round graded talent? I mean, I feel like. I could have had a semblance of success in Alabama's offense this season. <laughs> um, I legit, like, no lie, I am. I could have. I could have led that team to at least one win, at least one. And and if that's the case, like, I don't know. It's just, I mean, you couldn't paint a more ideal situation for a quarterback than than what Matt Jones had at Alabama. I mean, he is loaded at talent on on the offense. Three of his offensive linemen, four probably are going to get drafted. Um, it, it's just like it's. He was in a very special situation. He has all the tools, and I see it. It's just, I don't know. Like I've never seen the kid like deal with adversity, and like I don't know. I feel like that's a big, like that's a big thing for me. Like I want to see that. Like, and normally you would say a kid that succeeds like this out of the SEC, this and that, but like man even through the SEC, like he never really kind of had a struggle or an issue that was like, all right, like that's what like I want. Now you're going to love this one. PFF's comp for him is Derek Carr, which honestly, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't hate that comp. I think he'll be a serviceable court. I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that leads you to a championship. Let me say that. I don't think Mac Jones can lead your like football team like as himself, like, like, like uh, Trevor Lawrence is the type of player that can win you a championship. He himself, you know, can win you a championship with the right talent around him. Mac Jones, to me, it appears kind of needs a loaded offense. Uh, as, as Nick P would say, he needs a Tom Brady kind of built team. Um, I think for, for Mac Jones to succeed. So I'd agree. Yeah, I was. I was actually. You stole my thunder because I was going to say. Knew it. I, 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 yeah, Brady. <laughs> but 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 it's, it's not a knock, right? No, like he, he's a, he's a game manager. If you give him talent, if you give him talent, and you give him the ability to like, you're not putting him in a situation where he has to gun the ball downfield because he's playing down all the time. I mean, he's going to be able to get the ball out. He's got a quick release. He's very accurate. I mean, he was almost eighty percent. Pass accuracy last season. I mean, that that's impressive. What was it, like 77, 78% pass accuracy? It's like, I mean, that, that's that's insane. I think yeah, 76.6. Yeah, here's my here's my take on Mac Jones. If you need a quarterback in this draft, because you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, 
So if you need a quarterback in this draft who is most NFL ready, he's the most NFL ready guy. I think over Zach Wilson, I would, t- I, I think you can just take him and drop him into an offense. Now that offense has to have pieces to your point. It has to have protection. It has to have pieces, but he's ready to run an NFL offense more so than anybody not named Trevor Lawrence. That's my take on Mac Jones. I think whoever gets him late is going to get a steal. I actually don't disagree with that. Um, I think he is probably one of the more NFL ready, it, probably the second, um, just because I do think Zach Wilson has some things to work on. Um, but again, I think he'll need a special situation. Like, yeah. I think Pittsburgh is nice for him. I think New Orleans is nice for oh, him. Yeah. Teams yeah. In the background. If Seattle is really like truthfully serious about moving on from Russell Wilson, maybe they grab him at the back end. Somebody like that. Um, I'll tell you what, though, 15 to New England, like I know that's a hot pick. I think that's way too early for Mac Jones, personally. I think that's too early for him. If they can move back to 25 um, or 22, something like that, I think that's a good spot for him. But, man, 15, because I think you can probably get a guy like like maybe a Patrick Sertan, maybe a Mika Parsons, you know, maybe a Gregory Rousseau, you know, somebody like that. uh, Shit, you know, even if one of these receivers starts to tumble, You never know in the draft. So 15, I think, is just a little too high for Mac Jones. But would it surprise you to see Belichick grab a guy like Mac Jones at 15? No, not at all. Yeah, exactly. I I, I truthfully think – I don't because, I mean, he is Mac Jones's like – Bill Belichick's, I think, kind of like quarterback that he wants. Like he, he fits Jimmy G. He, he's Jimmy a smart G. player who's going to run an effective offense. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's an elite, elite, accurate, short, short level passer. Like, I mean, crazy elite or, or accurate, short uh, area passer. So, uh, and I mean, he's able to make quick reads and make decisions at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's Bill Belichick's best quarterback in a nutshell. So I, I, I I wouldn't be shocked, but again, if if they if Bill was able to do something like he does, move to nineteen, pick up a second rounder or something like that, and then take him at nineteen, that that settles a lot better in my stomach than it does at fifteen. And let's play this hypothetical too now. So now all of a sudden, yeah, Bill Belichick identify a guy like Mac Jones to drop into the offense. So Patriots, in my opinion, have already beefed up their offensive line, so the pass protection's there. The run protection's always been pretty good. Um, the pass protection's there now. All you, all, at this point, all you need is you need to go out and get guys like Curtis Samuel. You need to go out and maybe make a splash on a guy like Juju. You, or, or, or you go out and you get a guy like Will Fuller. I mean, I don't think the Patriots will do something like that. But all of a sudden, you're starting to sprinkle in talent, those guys that can get separation quickly, and Mac Jones can just dump it off to him and let them yak it up. Curtis yeah. Samuel would be such a great pickup for that team. I did see in um, you know, some reports from Boston writers, they said that Bill Belichick – is willing to spend the majority of his cap money on wide receiver in this offseason. Like that, that's his number one priority. Um, and, and imagine that. Imagine that. John, John, a guy like John U. Smith, Curtis Samuel, all of a sudden in that offense, and you drop a guy like Mac Jones in who, who, who reads the game so well, who makes quick decisions, who makes good decisions, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I mean, all of a sudden that Patriots team is pretty good. I actually like the idea of adding John U. and Everett from uh, the Rams, the two of them. Um, ah, great. Yeah, I like Jared. Yeah. I mean, Everett's, you know, that special. The only issue is they just went so tight end heavy in the second round that, like, to invest yeah. again in a tight end and, and probably have to sign him for not crazy money, but money. Like, I mean, that's just, ugh. Well, again, I mean, he's, you want he's terrible. John Smith or David Asiasi. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't like. 
I couldn't say I watched enough Patriots games to tell you how David Asiasi and I couldn't even tell you the other guy's name at this point played. Um, so, but again, Dalton Keene. Dalton Keene, when you invest, oh, I actually liked Dalton Keene a lot coming out. When you invest like that high capital, like at that position, like, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to then invest again in free agency. Use that money to spend on your tackles or your guard that you're most likely going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, so, I don't know. I, I like a, um, I like Wyatt Davis at fifteen more than I like Mac Jones. I have a uh, I have a question for Sully because I'm I'm curious because at the beginning of the season a lot of folks had him as the number one tight end um, in the draft over Pitts. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know I was going to ask you about the Penn State guy. Yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously Penn State was terrible, uh, so that hurt his draft stock tremendously. But um, long term, what what sort of player? Give me like an NFL comp on Friar Move. Oh God! Because um, I have one in my head, so I'm curious as to like what what you're thinking. Um, I like Jason Witten, like a, a little bigger Jason Witten, maybe. Um, I don't know, like like the the oh, God. I like a poor man's George Kittle too. I guess I like uh, that. I, I yeah. Uh, because I don't think like his his blocking, he's going to step in and be probably one of the better blocking tight ends in the league, and one of the more physical tight ends in the league. And yet he still can run a route tree. Um, so anybody that can kind of do that, like he's going to be a, an all around tight end in my opinion. And I mean, it, he's fallen because of Pitts, but I mean, he's I think he's still the, the number two tight end by by a long way. Uh, you know, I don't think he. He comes off in any way like he's never he's not a special athlete. You know, he's not going to wow you in that way. But like, I don't know. He's he's such a savvy receiver. Um, he mm. knows the little tricks to get open at the top of routes. Um, he knows creative ways to get open and things like that. He knows how to use his body and his frame. So I think he's gonna, truthfully, I think he's going to be an extremely productive player in the NFL. So, yeah. And I think um, for me, the comp that I was thinking of was uh, Ertz. Yeah, I don't hate Ertz. I don't. Yeah. See, the thing is, I think he can block better. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. And Ertz, I, Ertz is a little bit more athletic. Than yeah, Fire I agree. So a little but, less athletic, but but a lot more physical. Oh, see you, Wayne. See you, Wayne. But what what hurts? I think too. The other thing is what hurts Fry. What hurts Fryermuth is because he's following in the footsteps of Gusecki. Yeah, but I mean, I love Gusecki. So do I, but I'm saying like when you see that level of athleticism, when you see that level of athleticism come out of that position at that school, all of a sudden like that's sort of where your benchmark is. And Frymouth isn't that. He's also got the dropsies. I think he's got eight drops in his career, which I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're only catching, you know, a hundred or so balls, you know, you've got to cut that percentage down a bit. Um, but I, I mean, I think he's a strong player and, and I really expect a lot of good things out of him. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think he'll be a good pick in the second round for somebody. I do too. I think, and I think he should go like kind of a, a little high in the second round. I I'd take him pretty decently up there. Um, 
again, I just think like he's a he's just anytime you can do multiple things, like yeah. I think like you know you're going to excel. And tight end isn't exactly a strong class this year, no. so you know it's not like there are a ton of guys who are jumping off the board. Brevin Jordan's a stupid crazy athlete and is probably going to go pretty high, but yeah. outside of him and and Fearmuth and Pitts, like you know, there's not really a ton of guys that really you know excite you at that position. So I think somebody's going to want to grab one. Because it's all about like, you know, what can I get later for the same value in the draft? And you're not going to get a Fearmuth in the fourth round. You're just not. Right. You're not going to find that guy. So you've got to take him in the second kind of thing. Yeah. And I look at him as being one of those guys that can like immediately step into a team that's got like a young 100%. quarterback. I mean, you know, especially like a team with a young quarterback because he's smart. He'll he'll make like you said, he, he makes he puts himself in a good spaces to make catches and he blocks. I mean, he blocks yeah. his butt off. So I, I think. Having a guy like that for like one of the younger quarterbacks, whether it be like a Joe Burrow or even like a Jacksonville, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I I love that ceiling. Um, curious, what other guys you think could go first round that are projected second round? Ooh, um, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but I, I yeah, didn't want to it get is. Um, because there's people that have Etienne going in the second round. Yes, yeah, which which I mean, he he very well could. Um, Man, that's a tough question. I mean, I know like Trevon Morick, I've got rated as you know, I knew I was I was I had to bring this guy up. I've got him rated as 13th overall. I've seen him go as as low as, you know, middle of the second round. Right. Um so so I guess him like we talked about Javon Highland and things like that. Um and and him being very high. Um I don't know, but so I would guess I would say him. I, you know, a lot of these pass rushers that I don't have ranked in the top 32, Aziz Ojolari, um, uh, God, he's slipping my name. Oh, Carlos Basham, um, Quincy Roche, uh, you know, a, a lot of these guys, uh, Joe Tryon are, are like rising these boards and, and like pass rushers get drafted earlier than their ranking. Um, because they're hard to find. Uh, so I think they've got a lot of uh, shots to go. Um, you know, Joseph Asai, things like that. But uh, it's tough to pinpoint one guy. It's so early still. We haven't seen like yeah. enough of the of the pro day results and, and this faux combine and things like that. All right. Last question that I want to ask, Sully. Sorry, sorry, Wayne, yeah. but you were gone for a little bit. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> last question. How would you rank as far as like overall volume of talent by position in this draft, like what what would be like your top five? Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, like, no, I do. I know what you're asking. Okay. Um. So I would say quarterback is one. Um. I think Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson push that pretty high up, and then also, yeah. also there is a lot of talent in Mac Jones and and Justin Fields and Trey Lance, Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond, and I'm, I'm a massive Jamie Newman fan. Um, Jamie, yeah, yeah. So, so um, a, a lot of these guys, I think, have the ability to do pretty well. Um, so I, I've got that one pretty high. Wide receiver is probably two for sure. Um, mm -hmm. There's, I mean, loaded wide receiver talent this year. Um, cornerback, I think, is kind of deep. Um, but it, at the top, I think it kind of falls in, in the middle rounds. But, like, you know, you've got J.C. Horn. I love – I'm a big Tyson Campbell fan. Um, you know, you've got the two guys at the top. So there, um, and then tackle, yeah, I I was tackle, tackle yeah. offensive line. 
I think is the other one that's that's just stacked this year. We didn't talk about any of them, but Christian Darisol, Rashawn Slater. We talked about Samuel Cosme. I lied. Elijah Vera Tucker, Wyatt Davis, um, all these guys. Then then there's the guys that I really didn't even get to. Um, God, where's he at? Uh, Adrian Early, uh, Liam Eichenberg, uh, the kid from Notre Dame is finally bringing his name out. Um, yeah. Alex Leatherwood, Walker Little, um, like all of these guys, Jalen Mayfield, all of these guys legit have a shot at going in the first round um, just because of their positional value and things like that. And and so I think offensive line slash offensive tackle has, has a shot at being the deepest too. Yeah, that's fair. I'd probably – I mean, I'd rank it – I. I to me, I'd rank it very similar. It's funny because I made the comment, Sully, and, and you kind of scoffed at it initially about the Jets, how they should consider taking Sewell with a second pick um, to protect Sam Darnold. And I was thinking that because long-term it's like, oh, all right, if you screw it up, Darnold's going to be a project anyway. If you draft a quarterback, it's going to be a project anyway, and you're just starting from scratch either way was my logic. But then I'm thinking, like, this quarterback class is so good. It's like, how often does this happen? Exactly. That's my point. Like, this doesn't happen where you get a guy like Zach Wilson to fall to you at two. Zach Wilson's number one in any in a lot of other drafts. He goes ahead of Justin Herbert every single time. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't have him ahead of Joe Burrow. But he, like, it's, like, special. Now, I, I get it. Like, next year's got a lot of special talent and Spencer Rattler and uh, uh, the kid from USC that I can never remember his name, but I fucking love him. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I can't think of his name either. And Sam Howell coming out of North Carolina. Yeah. That we talked about. You know, so like next year does have a lot, but what if they don't come out? Like, what if they say, no, I'm not, you know, like you don't know. So if you're in the position to draft, draft a Zach Wilson, I take him. Now, if you're, um, able to move down to four with, with Atlanta and still get Penny Sewell and then get, get some picks. I don't hate that, that strategy. I don't. Um, and then see what you have in, in Sam Donald. But then again, if he succeeds, do you pay him 35 million or 30 million and then not draft a quarterback next year? There's, there's just a snowball effect there, I think. So, um, but I mean, I've got Penny Sewell rated number two overall. So clearly I love the guy. So, yeah, 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 it's just crazy to me. This quarterback draft is crazy to me because to your point, um, you, you could have a guy like Kellen Mond. You could have a guy like even Trask. I don't think so, but you could have a guy like Trask end up being the second best quarterback in this draft. Easy. Like 100%. it's just it, 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 like right. in, in hindsight, right? Like five yeah. years from now, it, it could definitely look that way. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is literally a generational talent. So, yes. I mean, it, it, it's tough to compare. Yeah, of um, but I think anybody else, it literally could be second to that generational talent. And what's wild is like you're gonna have your Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, who are most likely all gonna go top ten. Then Mac Jones, probably even Kellen Mond are gonna sneak into the first. But then you're gonna have Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman, uh, Jamie all Newman, these other guys yeah. going in the second second round too. Like like legit, you may have nine or ten quarterbacks drafted in the first two rounds this year, which is insane to think. Like that's just wild for me to think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wanted to throw an idea at you, which is a, a pre-draft rumor I read. I, I kind of liked it, which was – so last year, remember, the Patriots were kind of shopping um, Stephon Gilmore, right? Because this is the last year of his deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 years old. 30 years old. I mean, he's still really, really, really still elite. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Still elite, um, but he's 30 he's years old. He's going to hit his cliff soon. And kind yeah. of a bargain at 13.5, I mean, because – oh, yeah. yeah. But so, you'd have to, you're going to have to re-sign him, and he's probably sure. going to want more than 13.5. So the and trade, you're gonna have to sign him into 34, 35 years old. <laughs> the trade that I saw pitched around, and, and again, I liked it, was Stefan Gilmore to Cleveland for OBJ. I hate that. 
Um, you get an elite number one receiver, you know. Um, is OBJ an elite number one receiver because he's never on the field? Well, no, but that, that's why you're getting him for so cheap, essentially. Him and Bill seem like the worst match in heaven. Well, I thought Cam and Bill seemed like the worst match. No, because Cam's work ethic yeah. is different. OBJ is a lazy, that's like right. been his, his moniker, not a great team guy. Shit, uh, Jarvis Landry is best friend in the whole world. Doesn't even care if he stays on the team. You know what I mean? Like, like that should be like a, a big. Right, that's true. Like, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't love that. Also, I mean, I don't see why they would do that. They've got Denzel Ward, who's arguably the best young corner in the league right now. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know if, and they're going to have to pay him buku money. So I don't think they're going to, I don't see why they would get into a huge contract with Stefan Gilmore when they're going to have to pay Denzel Ward crazy money. OBJ is the worst contract. OBJ is the worst contract in the NFL, in my opinion. Everyone laughed at the Giants for that trade to, to Cleveland. They were like, what the hell are they doing? They just invested so much money in this guy, blah, blah, blah. They didn't get much of a return. And all of a sudden, now the Giants defense was actually legit based on that trade. They got some draft pieces that were actually legit based on that trade. And OBJ is just, I mean, to Sully's point, he is an absolute cancer. He's like this generation's Antonio Brown. He, he really is just – and it's crazy to watch because, I mean, nobody will argue that he's not talented and not right. not a crazy good player when he's on the field. But, like, I mean, he's like to Nick's point, he's rarely on the field and he's a cancer to the locker room and the team. So it's like, I don't know. I want those guys as far away as possible. Yeah, I, I, I hate that for New England. I can't see it – I mean, I can't see it happening either. I actually hate the fact that Saquon Barkley has built his, like, rehab schedule around working out with OBJ. I think that that's – I mean, talk about toxic. Last <laughs> thing Saquon needs. True. Well, that was the big board episode. We certainly hope you appreciated it. And we hope you guys continue to download. We are getting, uh, you know, over a uh, hundred downloads, actually over 300 downloads, uh, per month. Uh, so we certainly appreciate you guys doing that. Um, uh, this month this past 30 days has actually been on close to a thousand downloads. So if you guys are listening, I mean, feel free to, to reach out to us. We definitely like the interaction. I mean, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the, you know, the, where you can find us has been at the bottom right of the screen for the whole show. Um, you can find us there. YouTube, you can comment on the YouTube videos. People love to correct, you know, trash nick for that i try to kind of fuel mm. that fire when i can uh, yeah you do hate so. the board man i'll, I'll argue yeah. with you hate the board come at me with the yeah. why Devonte smith should be ahead of chase jamar chase you'll be wrong but come at me um yes yeah. so yeah, so I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it <laughs> <laughs> so that is the show uh kenny uh where are we at with the show today we're gonna get this right we are hand whoops there we go dang it oh, oh. oh.